I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Steal the Declaration of Independence. It's the greatest adventure history has ever revealed, Zach. Let's steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, You're listening to an episode of Steal the Declaration (laughs) of Independence. (laughs) I wish. Just kidding. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, (laughs) God damn it. How many times? Is this a drinking game? What are you doing? Are you selling something? You know what? This could be a drinking game depending on how many times you hear the word steal the Declaration of Independence in the next hour or so. Because I know in the last two hours, I've heard it about 17 times. You're actually listening... To Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies uh, from your childhood and, you know, movies that make you feel good about yourself, and we tear them apart and dissect them, look at them objectively, and uh, let you know, is your nostalgia worth revisiting? This week we watched 2004's action-adventure, historically accurate, family blockbuster, Mm -hmm. National Treasure. Actually, well... mm one hundred percent historically accurate. All right, everything that's happened here really happened. You said you used to watch this in history classes. I will admit, the first time I saw National Treasure, I believe, was with a history class. If it wasn't the first time I saw it, I may have saw it at home. I know that I saw it at least three times in school when they would wheel the old fat, you know, tube TV out on that cart. It had the VHS player. Then they added the DVD player in my, you know, my later middle school years when they finally got their shit together. Uh, But that was right around when DVD was getting popular, 2004. And yeah, they popped this bad boy in whenever they wanted to entertain us for two class periods because this movie, by the way, two hours and ten minutes long. I need to, I need to stop you right there and evaluate what kind of education you got because what in the fuck could teachers possibly have you gather from this movie there is nothing historically relevant like you get like maybe one or two easily googled facts like about the (laughs) revolutionary war era but there is absolutely no sorts of historical benefit to this film yeah that's that's up to the scholars to decide and clearly they've no imbued no, the no. knowledge of this film upon me which is why once again i'll remind the audience i cannot read yeah i was gonna say this <laughs> this coming from a guy from an education system who who failed him did not teach him how to read I have to say, I think it's there's a distinct possibility I might have seen this movie more than once and just forgot about it, much like I did today. I watched this movie, went downstairs to get a drink, and ten seconds later forgot I had watched this movie, Brandon. <laughs> it is two hours of... And ten minutes. Two hours and ten, min- ten minutes of just mind-numbing... I, I don't want to get into it too early, but my God, do we have a lot to discuss in this. None of which I can remember. Listen, is it fun to listen to your grandfather read off a thesaurus or something like that? No, but to hear facts and to learn true history, sometimes you got to get through the slog of it all. If you haven't seen this, first of all, it's on Netflix. Go ahead, watch it on Netflix. Catch up before you listen to the episode. But Currently currently we don't know what's going to happen in the future netflix might not be a thing yes as of well 
Okay. As of time <laughs> of recording, it is on Netflix. Uh, but just to let you know what you're getting yourself into, the movie starts off in a flashback within a flashback. Oh, yeah. Before we get into that, dude, because there is some Inception-level <laughs> shit going down in that opening six minutes, uh, let's get a little bit into the backstory. So you said, first off, you, you've seen this movie maybe a handful of times. Was it on TV, or do you remember the first time you actually watched it? Uh, Probably a DVD rental. I don't even think this was one that was owned by my friends, but I, you know, not a, uh, or my family, not my friends, but, uh, you know, I've, I've never, never been a huge Nick Cage head to say gross. Get out, dude. That's it. I think I don't, I did definitely didn't see it in theaters and I don't think I ever watched it in school. Maybe I'm blocking that out. Apart from the times I did watch it in school, I think I saw it at least two or three times at home or whatever. This was a movie that, I don't know. I, I enjoyed. I, I always thought it was kind of a little too long and a little too boring for uh, my tastes. However, because because it was again, I I was probably thirteen, maybe fourteen when I saw it, and so you know I'm getting into more of the action heavy stuff. And this is PG, so it's it's got some like gunplay and, and Nick Cage making out with Diane Kruger. It's really just Indiana Jones without Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, or the benefit of watching him kill Nazis. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even like the mummy. It's the mummy light. It's also got some, you know, Brendan Fraser vibes. If only Fraser had taken over. Which is crazy because the mummy is the mummy is Indiana Jones light. So if this is the mummy light. At this point, light, yeah, it's not even Diet crazy. Coke. It's Coke Zero. It's not even Coke Zero. It's it's uh Sam's Cola. There's nothing paranormal about it either. At this point, it pretty much is just Da Vinci Code light. Yeah, and this movie, I think, is quite loved by its generation. I think this was a movie that a lot of people saw, maybe not in class, like, you know, uneducated gentlemen like myself, but I think they caught because this was a huge box office hit. So, first of all, this was actually requested by a Podbean user. I believe it's Mervine J. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but it's Mervin. EG? EJ? Whatever it is. Thanks for the request, brother. And this movie fits right in line with what we want. Thanks for sending in requests. Sorry, Brandon. Can't read. Can't pronounce your uh, username. If you want to send in a request, though, any other listeners, uh, send it to me so I can actually read Sad news. <laughs> Sad news. Why are you going to make me feel so bad about my life and who I am and who I've become? Honestly, you got to learn how to read. We, there's no, no more getting around it. You're an adult. You got to learn how to do it. Uh, National Treasure. It is directed by John Turtletob, who we talked about on episode 42 for Three Ninjas. That was his first movie. <laughs> he also really? directed uh, Cool Runnings, While You Were Sleeping, Phenomenon, Instinct, Disney's The Kid, which could be a stay tuned, that Bruce Willis one, where he turned into Spencer Breslin. Yeah, if there's any stay tuned on that list, it's cool runnings. Move on. <laughs> All right. He also directed the sequel to this movie, National Treasure, Sorcerer's Apprentice, also with Nick Cage. That one starred Jay Barachow. Mm, my God. And then he rounded that out with Last Vegas and most recently, The Meg. Uh, did you see that yet, by the way? I did not. I saw that it's on your Voodoo account that I steal from you. Well. <laughs> Have not have not gone to seen it although i i got to admit it's a movie that i've thought about getting drunk to and just watching yeah you'll you'll still be disappointed by the end of it but you'll be like, well, whatever i could have wasted my time other ways and felt worse about it i suppose it's not bad dude jason statham and a shack there's some enjoyment in there i mean I, okay enough for me to buy it i'm ashamed of myself well you should be 
Uh, the movie we're talking about here, National Treasure, has got a 6.9 on IMDb and a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. It had a $100 million budget. It made $173 million in the U.S. and $347 million worldwide. All right. So uh, pretty good. Yeah. It uh, finished ninth for the year of 2004. Finished behind some other family-friendly movies like Shrek 2, The Incredibles. What a year this was. Harry Potter 3. Uh, wound up making more than The Polar Express, Shack Tale, Lemony Snicket, Princess Diary, duh. The SpongeBob movie, dude. Scooby Doo, too. Jesus, wow, I what said a that year! Weird. And uh, Garfield the movie. Yeah, and I'd even mention Christmas with the Cranks or Miracle, dude. Miracle, Kurt Russell, all the way. I can't believe I do love Miracle with Kurt Russell, but I can't believe you didn't mention Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched that movie. It always looked too bad. No, of course not. No one's ever watched uh. this movie. <laughs> Well, it's always on, like, TBS or one of them stations every Christmas now, dude. It's a staple, along with Surviving Christmas starring Ben Affleck. Did you ever see that? No, stop asking me about other movies. Here we go. The sequel to this one, which I don't know if you saw, but I did, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. No. Okay. Well, it was released in December of 2007, a mere, what, three years after this one. It earned $457 million worldwide, which begs the question, Zach, why the hell have they not made a third one? I actually read into this today. Apparently, it is definitely a thing about uh, Disney not really super psyched about the script. And also, certain people, not naming names, but certain people who want to be in the movie will not do the movie for anything less than a fortune's worth of money. <laughs> I'm praying it's John Voight. I, I, yeah, maybe. I, there, I, all I said, all I saw, I forgot who the interview was with. But the words were, and people who who want it, who we want in the third movie want a shit ton of money to be in the third movie, and Disney doesn't like the script enough to pay out for it, and there's just simply other stuff they want to pour money into, i.e. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, that just doesn't make sense if the person in question is Sir Nicolas Cage. You know, he's doing these movies a mile a minute for pocket change. Oh, well, I don't think... I don't think he's the one. Yeah, I don't think he's the one who wants. Oh, a shit you think ton it's Justin Bartha, the Hangover's Justin Bartha? I'm sh- I'm almost sure it's Justin <laughs> Bartha. It he played the be. mentally challenged kid in Jiggly or Giggly. What? <laughs> he sure did. Oh boy, what a career that guy's had. All right. <laughs> well, I know we thought this movie was long, but apparently on the DVD, director John Turtletop said the initial rough cut was around four hours long. Fucking what? <laughs> Dude, it's comprehensive. What? It's in-depth. It's in detail. All of this stuff, I think you're just overlooking the immense research the filmmakers went uh, through to put this to celluloid. Zach, are you still there? <laughs> There's so much shit going on in this movie, and I don't even know. Like, it's like they just needed to get from point A to point B and didn't really know how to connect those dots. What I'll also say is it's kind of tonally a bit strange at times, like throughout, as, as just a, from a picture as a whole, because this, of course, is, is produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, so it's got that, you know, action, full-throttle, balls-to-the-wall feel, or at least in production scale, but then it's also 
very, not neutered, but just cut down. You could tell that I think they were maybe shooting for a PG-13. And from what I looked up in, in some of the research, it looks like they had initially shot for a PG-13. And then once the movie got its PG rating, they really didn't have to cut too much. That's when they were like, oh, well, shit, let's, let's transfer this from Touchstone Pictures to Walt Disney. And, uh, yeah, it became more of a family-friendly movie, I, I, I would assume, more in editing. You can tell there are certain scenes where they're like, we are looking for more gratuity especially with our female lead in this movie like the the dressing room scene where they're naked why is that in this movie (laughs) like or she's naked she's naked nick cage isn't naked yeah why is that in this movie uh definitely cut out of a pg-13 well let's get to it because we got a lot to get into national treasure Oh my gosh. Ay, ay, ay. So much happens in the first six and a half minutes. I clocked it on the time code. It was about six and a half minutes, and they dump an enormous amount of exposition on you. So we're introduced to young Benjamin Franklin Gates. Get it? They love history. Baby Nick Cage, and he's rummaging through this attic. His creepy grandpa, uh, played by Christopher Plummer, comes lurking about in the darkness and starts telling him this story about how uh, this guy named Charles Carroll passed some sort of secret to an ancestor of theirs, the original, I guess the OG Benjamin Gates. We start off in what, like 1970s? Or what is this, something like that? And then we flash back to 1832. Again, this is all in the opening minutes of the film. It's back to 1832 and they talk about, yeah, a treasure that was stolen from several ancient empires throughout history. We even see that. So it's like fucking Egyptian times or something. Like what is happening? Okay, so we start off... 70 years but or not 70 years that'd be fucking crazy we start off at least 30 to 40 years before the beginning of the movie the actual beginning of the movie then we get a flashback to revolutionary times and within that flashback we get a flashback to ancient egyptian times <laughs> like oh so we are like in an a we are in a flashback and a flashback and a flashback and a flashback yeah and then we go from there to i guess maybe a flash forward to we learn of this group first dubbed the knights Templar. brandon a flash forward and a flashback and a flashback and a flashback so yes <laughs> i'm gonna puke dude i'm gonna puke <laughs> but they start off as the Knights Templar and then immediately change their name during the montage to the Freemasons. Apparently, it tells tale of this enormous treasure that was hidden by the Founding Fathers in America. And Carol passes this handwritten secret on his deathbed to Benjamin Gates, this little, I guess he's like a pe- he seems like a peasant or a nobody, um, just happened to be right place, right time. And the secret, the, the little note says, the secret lies with Charlotte. Well, wasn't it his grandson or something? I don't know. No, I, Charles I, Carroll is not related to this guy whatsoever. We're just, so he just gives this kid uh, a secret because he couldn't give it to anyone else. So he just like told this kid a potentially life-altering secret yeah as far as i know dude this is just some random dude that he was like his driver or some bullshit (laughs) fucking okay whatever i again this movie man i don't get it anyway but the secret lies with charlotte and john voight comes bursting in like shut the hell up our family has wasted our lives searching for this bullshit treasure it's nonsense hard cut to nick cage and his motley crew of treasure hunters. Can I just say really quick before we get to Nick Cage, uh, I agree with Nick Cage's father in this movie. Of course it's fucking bullshit. You think the founding fathers who just declared independence found themselves financially in debt to several countries around the world are just 
hogging gold down underneath the catacombs of New York City. Yeah, and if they did, fuck you guys. <laughs> Seriously, fuck you guys. And by his father, you mean Patrick Henry Gates? Get it? Played by John Voight? <sighs> Yeah, anyways. And I, I want to say this at the top because we'll talk about it later, but I he's super frustrated with his dad and his son at this point, just in this little flashback in the opening. He's really pissed off. The family's wasted their lives searching for this treasure. They still haven't found any clues past this one, The Secret Lies with Charlotte. And I mention that because later on, Nick Cage will find clue upon clue that John Voight yells and berates at him like, hey, it's just going to lead to more clues. But these are the first clues you guys have ever discovered. Yeah, you, you've, you're not... Not past clue number one. <laughs> yeah, so he's gotten to at least number two. Why don't you hear him out? <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough, I guess. But anyway, we cut to yeah, present day Nick Cage and his motley crew of treasure hunters. We've got Sean Bean, who looks just like Bodie from Point Break. He's got this long surfer long Oh, my locks. God. What is Sean Bean's hair doing in this movie? I, I don't know, man. I think he, maybe it was like Paul Walker was originally cast and they were like, <laughs> and Paul had to drop out for something else. And they were like, we still want his hair. Sean, can you dye it? And then we got Justin Bartha, pre The Hangover. I think this is the first thing I ever really noticed him in. I think he went on to do a couple of the things, right? I've seen him, you know, here and there. He pops up every once in a while and other shit. I think I've... I, want to say i saw him as a villain in something i can't remember i think back in 2000 he's kind of that much needed like albeit slightly annoying comic relief but in 2019 man just don't want to fucking put up with him <laughs> and uh they're rolling up on what they believe to be a treasure trove they've found the charlotte this ship that was lost in the arctic but it turns out it's just another clue, because inside the Charlotte, he finds a dope-ass ivory pipe. As he's looking over it one night, you could tell Sean Bean is seething with rage, like, are you fucking kidding me? We made it all the way out to the Arctic to find this missing ship, and all you're telling me is this another clue? And then Nick Cage, almost Rain Man style, solves this riddle. Even Topher Grace Light is a little upset that they don't have the treasure yet. Yeah, and they all should be. Nick Cage does, like, the Independence Day style, like talk it out loud sort of like wait a minute uh virus uh a cold we give the we give the computer a virus <laughs> yeah it's very similar it's like 90 seconds of rambling and uh, yeah a riddle it's a key no a map and eventually <laughs> whatever they <laughs> they find out it leads to there's a map on the back of the declaration of independence you know quite the statement to which justin bartha replies maybe one of the sanest remarks in the whole film like is like what are you fucking talking about yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But Sean Bean follows it up with something that at first sounds ridiculous, but it, through repetition, almost literally, uh, we will think that it's kind of a sane idea. Let's steal the Declaration of Independence, Brandon. Yeah, Sean Bean's character, Ian Howe, what a name. He uh, apparently also has a Bodie-like past. He's had some criminal activity lurking in uh, his history, and he has the capability or the people that he knows uh, to maybe pull off this job, which sounds incredibly impossible, but he is gung-ho from the start. You know, Justin Bartha at least questions what's going on. This guy's like, as soon as he hears there might be a map on the back, he's like, let's take the fucking thing. Yeah, let's fucking steal it. 
which I, Brandon, they say this, I counted in the first 25 minutes of this movie, they utter the phrase, steal the Declaration of Independence, almost seven or eight times in the first 25 minutes of this movie. It's the hook of the movie, dude, okay? Do you expect them not to say snakes on a plane and snakes on a plane? Actually, it's really just kind of like the conclusion of the first act. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Well, Nick Cage uh, won't play along because he protects treasure despite him looking for his own gain. I, I don't know. His whole like back and forth on whether or not he's a... I can't tell if he's a noble guy who's trying to genuinely look after the well-being of these artifacts or if he's strictly looking for the credit and the money because he goes back and forth on that. I don't know. His motives, even at the end of this movie, his motives aren't real clear about what he wants because at the end of it without spoiling it even though you should know the fucking end of national treasure at this point he's just like nah, i don't know i just don't want to go to jail and it's like well okay <laughs> well sean bean ain't having it either and he pulls a gun on him at this point oh shit sean bean and a gun sean bean's gonna kill himself because i know sean bean's got to die in this movie <laughs> yeah dies in everything yeah somehow that bullet is ricocheting off something and he's getting hit in the temple dead yeah he puts it right to his he puts it right to his temple (laughs) he pulls the trigger and uh kills him kills himself that's national treasure what did you think yeah (laughs) well it was the quickest sean being death i've seen in quite some time Oh, boy. But no, yeah, he shoots the gun, and it ignites all this goddamn... Oh, no, he throws a flare. That's right. Nick Cage throws a flare at Sean Bean, which ignites some gunpowder, which blows this entire ship up. Mind you, this is an historic artifact that has been hidden in the Arctic for centuries. These motherfuckers just stumble upon it and blow it up immediately. (laughs) Why aren't they just selling that? Why aren't they just selling that? I was going to say, that is huge. They act like, oh, this is nothing. All we all we need is this pipe. But it's like, guys, guys. No, it's a perfectly preserved colonial era warship. Oh, fuck me. Anyway. It blows up in amazing fashion. This is a pretty solid explosion. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. However, everyone, literally everyone, makes it out unscathed. Yeah, no blood in this movie at all. No, there should definitely be some blood. Or at least some charred skin. Only one death. Wait, only one death? Who died in this movie? At the end, when they're going down the chamber, spoilers ahead, uh, a guy falls off the uh, wooden staircase and down into an uh, an endless pit. Oh, shit. Ian Holmes' goons? One of his goons, dude? Yeah, one of, one of Sean Bean's goons falls into an endless pit towards the end of this movie. It's the only death. Wow. Well... I it was so <laughs> unimpactful that I forgot already. Exactly. Well, because at this point you're almost falling asleep because this is about an hour and 45 minutes into the film. <laughs> Shut up. No, we're solidly like a good 12, 15 minutes in and now we've got our plot kind of kicked in. So Nick and Justin are A-OK. They start hiking back, I guess, to civilization. They're stuck in the Arctic, but whatever. After, mind you, again, destroying an historic artifact. And I love on their on their trek out. He's like Ben. What are we going to do about Ian? He's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And Nick Cage turns around. He's like, We're gonna stop him. Yeah. <laughs> cut. And then cut to Washington D.C. And they're outside this building. And fucking, what is that kid's name? Uh, Justin Bartha or Riley? Well, his name's Riley in the movie. Riley. Yeah, Riley. So he's like. 
what are we going to do? He's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Cut to D.C. They're walking out, and he's like, is it so crazy for people to think that someone's going to steal the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> Those are back-to-back lines. Oh, my God. I love it. I don't. <laughs> I was expecting some credence, man. We should have some credence clear water in the background here. Instead, it's just like, you know, this kind of generic music, whatever. I do like the theme of this, uh, the National Treasure theme. But other than that, the music's kind of uninspired. I wanted some some generic bullshitty, you know. We need something to, like, lighten, lighten up the mood of this movie. Like, we get it. It's an action-adventure kind of thing. But, like, you're right. Like, definitely, like some sort of vietnam era rock and roll to pump up the pace of this thing a little bit once in washington dc ben and ian head to the national archives uh to tell dr abigail chase played by diane kruger uh of the plan to steal the declaration of independence they've already told the fbi who laughed them you know out of the room basically and she does essentially the same however there's already some flirtation going on back and forth between nick cage character and diane kruger i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it how could you not get get it it with that hair dude it's beautiful (laughs) shut up dude that's his hair dude (laughs) i am very curious though why they went listen i love diane kruger i think she's an amazing actress um it's a little weird casting (laughs) to me (laughs) Like, why did they, why did they cast her in this movie? She's like someone working for the U.S. government and she's got a very, very, very strong, well, not very strong in this movie, but I know for a fact that she speaks very fluent German and it comes out. Oh, in, you can hear it immediately. In this performance. Yeah. And I think Nick Cage calls her out upon meeting her. They address it. Yeah, they address it. He's like, is that Pennsylvania Dutch? And it's like, no, it's it's German. And it's like, well, why are you? No, he asks her. Why? He asks her straight up, like, are you American or whatever? You're not, wait, so you're not an American? Like, they address this in the movie. They're like, why is a government official not American? (laughs) Just cast someone else. (laughs) Cast someone else. No, they wanted the Krugs. They wanted Krugs. And this is pre Inglorious Bastards, so I'm not quite sure how she was famous in the States at this point. This might be her first big breakout role, I guess. I don't know, but she's, I mean, she's a good actress. I know that for a fact, but I'm just, it confuses me. It confuses me, like, just make her something else, I guess. Make her, like, another treasure hunter or something. I don't know. Well, no, she's got to play the stuffy archives lady. I don't know what her position is here, but she's fairly high up. You must not steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, that was bad. Oh, boy. Uh, So I guess they discover the best time to do this is when the document is placed in the archive preservation room. It's kind of sealed off from the regular public, and there's not nearly as much security and whatnot. And the best time to do so would probably be during this upcoming gala. So we get, you know, a bunch of clickety-clacks and cyber noises montage as they do some research and surveillance. Yeah, it's a real Ocean's Eleven sort of like, this is what, this is the plan. But with two guys, one of them's in a van and never leaves. The other one's Nick Cage. (laughs) This is after, we we missed like the trailer moment because I remember this is what sent fucking shivers down people's spines, goosebumps, lit up folks' arm, folks' arms, by the way, I said. (laughs) Yeah. I heard it. It's the scene where he's in the, yeah, the archives, he's looking at it, and he turns to Justin Bartha, turns back, and just mumbles off camera, you know, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. It's a moment, dude. I got hard. Did you get hard? A little bit? No. No, I laughed because I was counting how many times someone said the words, 
steal the Declaration of Independence, and that was number six. <laughs> well, Nick Cage, Benjamin Gates, he's a smooth operator. He remembered about that button that Diane Kruger wants, so he sends her one, kind of greasing the wheels, and I'm like, oh, shit, dude. I thought at first, because I remembered, oh, wait, don't they steal her fingerprints at some point? Is this how they get them? No, he's just being a generous mofo, and he wants that ace. He is laying down the foundation to lay some pipe. <laughs> Not only that, but he wants to grease the wheels for a future kidnapping, I think. Yeah, I I feel like we do need to address that this movie is really just about Nick Cage committing uh, treason, vandalism, and uh, kidnapping, and this woman succumbs to Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, stealing our nation's founding document. Anyway. Whatever, dude. Another Friday. In Nick Cage's world. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. What are you doing Friday, Nick? I don't know. I might steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I mean, is there really any point in going through the specifics? Uh, he, he steals the fucking Declaration of Independence. But Sean Bean is also trying to steal the Declaration of Independence <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> On the same night. At the same time what a coincidence they walk in two separate doors there's two doors that lead to a place where you can steal the declaration of independence and they both walk in both those doors <laughs> it's amazing dude and he's sean bean and his goons are doing it you know the rough way they're kicking in doors they're you know shocking they security guards and, guns. Yeah. and then you know riley's talking his way through yeah he's james, yeah, bond, doing the james bond uh and he ends up getting away with it and this woman inside the souvenir shop thinks he's stealing like a replica so he pays for, for it with his credit card that's a plot thing yeah that went that's not smart dude really dumb but what was pretty intelligent was the way he yeah he stole her fingerprints wound up getting into the back room and stealing it and once he did they they have like kind of a squaring off in the hallway where he's shot at by sean bean and his goons uh and there's you know a narrow escape but what i loved was when he, so he had to get the fingerprint and then he also needed a password so he he tells the letters that were most recently pressed on the keyboard based on like the grease on the, the keyboard oh this is a fucking waste of two minutes you know but i laughed out loud because he tells them like all the letters and the computer's doing you know thousands and thousands of possibilities all this algorithms running and then <laughs> nick cage takes three seconds and he's like it's valley forge <laughs> and he's like they, she must have pressed one you know these certain keys twice or whatever like he's smarter than a computer <laughs> she pressed the l and the e twice the computer like, didn't yeah think of that? well the computer came up with like veil frog or something like that <laughs> yeah stupid shit and nick cage is like the wheel starts spinning for him he's like it's valley forge at this point the jig is up though security is alerted alarms are going off uh fbi is even alerted harvey Keitel, by the way i completely forgot was in this movie best part of this movie well you know we'll see no we <laughs> no, he is on their way out from the museum, she, they're stopped by Kruger's character who's like yelling and she kind of figured out what the hell's actually going on. So he gives her the decoy Declaration of Independence, the copy he bought at the store on the souvenir shop on the way out. She is then mistaken for having the real one by Sean Bean and his goons. So they take him. So Nick Cage, you know, there's a chase that ensues through the streets of Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, after... All these bangs and crashes and, you know, fast driving. She ends up in Nick Cage's van, which is not something anybody wants. And Sean Bean has the replica independent uh, Declaration of Independence. So he's pissed. Nick Cage is like, 
don't worry, I have the real document, but there's nothing I can do about it right now because the FBI knows who I am, knows where I'm going, so we got to go to the only one place where I can, like, I, I, I see, this started confusing me. Apparently, he needs other documents that he doesn't have on him, but he knows his dad might have them. Yep, apparently, he needs some other documents in case there's a code. He believes there might be a code or a map on the back, but it's written in some sort of invisible ink. So they head to John Voigt's house. Yeah, just in case. There's some sort of letter that said the key inside is undetected. Something to do with the silence do-good letters that his dad had purchased or had come into contact with and supposedly has at his house. So that's where they head. Meanwhile, Harvey Keitel begins his investigation as FBI agent Sadesky. And there's a real dig at Homeland Security here where the guy comes out and he's like, we actually got some... Uh, <laughs> we were aware of some threats against stealing the Declaration of Independence, but we just didn't think they were credible. <laughs> He's like, are they credible now? See uh, see something, say something, friends. Exactly. In a post-9-11 world, they're really getting down to it here. They're sticking it to the man. Did this movie come out before September 11th? No, it's 2004, so it's post. Oh, I thought it was 2001. Man, I am all no, over the place. get out of here, dude. <laughs> before they get to John Boyd's house, though, there's this whole scene in the park there where Diane Kruger agrees to come along with them because she doesn't trust them, but she wants to make sure the document is protected, and he mansplains everything to her. He eventually begs her to shut up. Oh, there's <laughs> so much mansplaining in this. Oh, it's... It, and then he does. He just, just at one point, sh you need to shut up. Just shut <laughs> just up. Please, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. So they arrive at John Voight's house. He opens the door to this better not be about that stupid treasure. And then sure enough, Nick Cage walks on in and reveals his plan and everything that's happened so far while not telling him about the fact that they're, they have the Declaration of Independence in their possession, despite them telling the audience several times. Yeah. <laughs> he is disappointed, you know, in Nick Cage about how he's wasted his life doing the same shit that he did. But then he hears about the Charlotte and he's happy for a quick second, and then he immediately changes his tune, and he's like, oh, it's just one more clue, and it'll lead to the next. And I'm, again, I'm just like, well, hang on a second, guy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get anywhere. He's gotten somewhere. Regardless. <laughs> you guys suck. You guys must be really shitty <laughs> treasure hunters if it took you four generations to figure out the first clue. I, I, don't know, I don't know what's special about Nick Cage, but whatever. But so he allows them to examine the document. Again, he doesn't know what it is in his house. So they immediately go about defacing and ruining the Declaration of Independence with uh, lemon juice. Yeah, and Nick Cage appears to kind of be getting turned on by her applying this lemon juice. She's I mean, I'm turned on by it. She looks gushy. great. Well, of course I am, dude. It's a lemon and a Q-tip. How am I not going to be? Exactly. But there's all this gushy ADR or Foley noises that's pretty hot. And she's like dribbling it on there. And then John Voight's like, it needs heat. So her and Nick Cage both press their face right above it and blow hot heat directly onto the spot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Justin Bartha went, goes six to midnight. I'm six to midnight right now. That's weird. Well... Turns out, though, there is a cipher or some sort of symbol in the right-hand corner. Guess what? Nick Cage was fucking right. There's something written on the back here. It might be a map. Turns out to be a code after they spread lemon juice over the entire thing. Yeah, whatever. It's only our nation's most beloved and uh, sacred document, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, this is when John Voight finds out that they have the Declaration of Independence, and uh, he 
promptly freaks out, but he lets him know that the letters that uh, Nick Cage was looking for, he doesn't have them anymore. He donated them to a museum in Philadelphia. So they're off to the Franklin Institute in Pennsylvania. Riley's doing some real work once they actually arrive, trying to solve another riddle that I'm not entirely sure how they got it, what, what this one is leading to, but whatever. He's actually doing work. Meanwhile, yeah, we get this scene of Diane Kruger and Nick Cage changing in a changing room where they're just kind of talking about Nick Cage's character and his dad and how he's not proud of him and all this weird stuff. And again, it's just like, uh, man, why is she naked? They're trying to build this relationship, and in a PG family-friendly movie, I, I guess I just don't really need it if you're not going to explore it more. I don't know. It just seems kind of like a weird tacked-on thing. Like, we, we needed uh, this relationship to happen because it's a guy and a girl in a movie. I also really don't think the chemistry between those two was that good. Every time they went in for a kiss, I t- I've never done this in a movie before. I actually cringed watching these two people kiss because Nick Cage is very aggressive going in on these kisses and i just don't see the spark in this movie between these two and so the whole thing just kind of feels uncomfortable i don't know dude you ever see mandy with nick cage no look into it dude there's a scene of him screaming in his underwear chugging vodka it's pretty awesome i mean that's sweet (laughs) i'd rather watch that than watch him kiss diane kruger who's very clearly not that into it Whoa, you don't know what's going through her mind, dude. She could be like, holy shit, I'm kissing Nick Cage. That's what I felt the first time I kissed Nick Cage. Yeah, well, you also can't read. (laughs) Okay, so Riley, he winds up solving this riddle, but he comes in because he can't figure out the last part or some shit, and through some more genius savant rambling, Cage and Kruger solve it using a $100 bill at the store. There's a message that involves... A shadow cast from the bell tower of Independence Hall at exactly 2.22, and then through some bullshit plot mechanics, Riley's like, oh, actually, daylight savings time wouldn't have been invented then, so technically, we have one more hour to get there in time. (laughs) It's like, oh, some fucking trivia, ex machina. Why did we need that? Just fucking, like, make make the time one one o'clock like oh good we've got time (laughs) well that's the thing dude you could make this movie a cool hour and 35 minutes hour 45 minutes if you cut out like four of these scenes of them finding a clue that means nothing to just go to the next one like yeah exactly we get it it. you fucking like history i don't need this scene of him like dragging out like oh i know something you don't know like fuck off just like make (laughs) make it one o'clock in the movie oh we've got time (laughs) let's go this movie is basically ready player one for history buffs (laughs) didn't see ready player one well it's basically like yeah gamers solving the world's problems and it's about these guys like as long as i know enough about history i can find the treasure yeah you actually can't you know you can't so nick cage goes down there and goes to a a hollowed out brick or something where he finds these weird glasses made by benjamin franklin yeah man some steampunk 3d glasses they look kind of cool sean bean hot on his trail still but they use the glasses to reveal the next clue a here at the wall spelled with two e's and riley asks the most i mean insightful question of the movie why can't they just tell you where to go and to spend wisely (laughs) yeah exactly like trinity church new york (laughs) yeah have fun but this is when they realize that sean bean's hot on their trail so they decide to you know split up nick cage takes the glasses and the case where he was storing the stolen declaration of independence uh diane kruger and riley take off the other direction holding the real declaration of independence uh 
separate chase scenes pretty boring checked out through half of it folded a bunch of laundry (laughs) it is a very long foot chase scene but it ends in them losing the declaration of independence and ben gets uh, apprehended by the fbi so while in custody he agrees to meet ian at the what the uss intrepid and the FBI agrees to take him. They stake the meeting out, but because they suck at their job in the Bruckheimer world, Ian actually helps uh, Ben evade the police. Ben jumps into the water and is immediately dry in the next scene, which kind of bugged me. He's in the van. He's like, boom. No, he's not dry. They're handing him Dude. clothes. Oh, wait, wait, he gets a fresh change of clothes? Yeah, I remember it because he's like, where is she? And they're like, your girlfriend's. Yeah, your girlfriend's calling the shots now or some shit like that. Oh, that's right. Like, do yeah. you not remember this scene? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I vaguely remember it, dude. Yeah, it's, it was in and out. <laughs> in and out. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm I'm struggling with this movie at this point. We're like an hour and 20 minutes into this movie with no sight of the end. There's not a lot of action in this. I remember this being a little more action. I, like, I, There's a foot chase and a car chase. That's about all we've had. And him leaping into the water. But uh, for a Jerry Bruckheimer movie, it's kind of light in action, I'll say. Yeah, there's also like a scene where like the world is the world is crumbling around them. But even that's not really actiony. It's just like you know people dangling off of set. Oh yeah, but that's not even that hasn't happened yet, right? That's the, pretty much the climax, I guess you'd call it, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, kind of. Other than that opening explosion as well. But yeah, there's just not many action scenes in this two hour and ten minute movie. Nick Cage is brought to the Trinity Church. Ian is holding his dad, John Voight, hostage. And basically forces him to agree, here's your half, which is basically the pipe, the Declaration of Independence, and I'm keeping all the treasure. But you better fucking tell me the truth or I will put one in your old man. And I mean a bullet. Yes, and uh, it would have been very, very funny if he had just killed off John Voight in this movie. <laughs> or if he had shot himself. Or somehow the bullet ricocheted off of John Voight's skull and back into Sean Bean. That's what I'm implying, is that that's how that movie ends. I wonder how many alternate endings featured Sean Bean dying horrific deaths, but for some reason, it w- once they stripped the PG-13 rating and it was PG, they kept rewriting and getting softer, and he kept getting more hopeful with each <laughs> with each rewrite, yeah. It's really crazy that only one person in this movie dies, and it's not Sean Bean. <laughs> so... They use those uh, different lenses, you know, the red and the blue there, to uh, able to find out the next clue, that there's some sort of underground passage beneath the church known as Parkington Lane, but that's actually a dude, so there's a corpse, they remove it, and then it turns into, yeah, Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones for the next 45 minutes, basically. And that's not even a joke, man. I wish it was 45 minutes. It's so crazy, though, that you say this, because now that I'm thinking about it, there really is no big climax to this movie. So The biggest thing that happens in the next, like, 20 minutes is that they start climbing down these stairs that breaks underneath them, and they just dangle off of, you know, broken wood for like five minutes and pick each other up, and they're like, all right, let's keep going. (laughs) Yeah, that's the most danger that's involved in the end of this movie. Yeah, so they get down to the passage where the treasure's supposed to be dead end. Sean Bean's pissed. He's like, you know where the fuck we need to go next. Just tell me. John Voight, Ben's dad, steps up and he's like, okay, like, you need to go to Boston. Yeah, he makes up something contrived that's also not historically accurate, but he does it intentionally as a lie, and it's enough to get Sean Bean off their tail. He gets in the elevator and abandons them there, and he's like, bye bye, boys, I'll see you later. Yeah, 
And Ben has just kissed Abigail, by the way, out of nowhere. Oh, again? Grabs her classic, come here, and kisses her. And then the goon behind him's like, why does that never happen to me? Uh, you don't want to know why, sir? Because you don't force kisses upon people. <laughs> I was going to say, don't need that kiss, don't need that humor, don't need this scene. <laughs> so Sean Bean leaves them there essentially to die. And he's like, well, if there's another clue, I'll just come back. I know where to find you. Ha ha ha. But they were joshing him the whole time. You see, they've already found the treasure room. It's here after all. But what? guess what? It looks like it's pretty much empty well so the dead end is a red herring uh so we can move on to the next plot point that nobody gives a a shit about reconciling the father and son which they do yeah they have a nice little heart to heart and for a second there i'm wondering are we really just going to boston right now do i did i do i really have to go to another goddamn church do we really have to like get up and go somewhere else no dude they go to another fucking room. There's two dead ends in this room. There's two false endings. No climax to the movie, but two false endings. They look around this room now, and they find a lock that looks like that pipe would fit into the chamber there. And holy shit, it reveals the treasure. Gold, as far as the eye can see. El Dorado. Ooh, that's a callback to a previous episode. Check us out at nvd.podbean.com. Sick references, bro. That's the kind of stuff you're getting on Nostalgia Be Doomed. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's all sorts of treasure and shit in there. Nothing looks too appealing. It's all dusty and shitty. <laughs> Come on, dude. Millions upon millions. Maybe billions. According to Nick Cage in the next scene, $10 billion worth of treasure. Damn. That's right. Yeah, he surrenders the Declaration of Independence to Harvey Keitel. You know, right upstairs above in the church, he reveals the location of the treasure downstairs, and he basically barters for his freedom, him and all of those involved. So everyone is let go without penalty. He even turns down a 10% finder's fee like an asshole, I guess. Yeah, fuck off. And Riley only gets 1%? Why is that? I think they have to split that 1%, dude. What? That? No, that can't be true. I mean... I'm pretty sure that's how it works. But yeah, he mumbles on about 1%. I mean, I I guess that's fucking... Yeah, no, that's true. But that means... Oh, that sucks, man. Why did you do that? Nick Cage is just like, oh, Riley, it was too much. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, but I did get the girl. And then he kisses Diane Kruger in front of Riley. Like, God damn it, dude. Your family's getting all the credit for this. You turned down an enormous payday just to be a dick ruin this guy's life yeah (laughs) oh man but anyway sean bean ends up getting arrested because they set him up so that seems to be it everything seems to be fucking in order until the book of secrets yeah dr chase hands him one last map and he's like hey what does this go to where does this lead and she says oh you'll figure it out is that a map to that ass dude that that's the only assumption is that that map uh, is coded to lead straight to that ass. <laughs> well, cut to see. <laughs> I was gonna say, what are your thoughts on National Treasure? I mean, man, th- this movie does not have to be two hours long. Two hours and ten minutes long. Cut this movie down by a half hour, forty minutes, man. Just do like no need for this movie to be this long. Just because so much of it is just plain old boring it's a lot of them walking around trying to talk things out in their head again it all seems just a little you know slow pace and disjointed 
I think this movie would benefit from a PG-13 rating. I think if you just kind of go a little bit harder on the action, maybe on some of the content, I think you have a better movie. I mean, Nick Cage is giving you Nick Cage. He's giving you exactly what you're looking for out of a Nick Cage movie, whether or not you like it. It's just is what it is what it is. Uh, nobody else in this movie is really memorable. Even Sean Bean is not like a super great villain in this movie. I don't know. It's just a lot shoved into a movie, and a lot of it I didn't really care about. I don't think it's really worth the nostalgia to me. Again, I I could be looking at it from a different angle because I don't have a lot of nostalgia about this movie to begin with. But really, I just don't. I don't really see any benefit for it if you're someone our age looking to recapture something that they watched in their childhood i think you can do a lot better than this movie i'm gonna go ahead and give it a 30 percent overall just not you know nothing that i can really hang my hat on i understand where you're coming from i I think this movie is completely serviceable It, it does what it sets out to do i do agree with you that i think it would have benefited from a pg-13 rating i think it also would have benefited from either being more of a, a, you know, a heist thriller, more straightforward, less jokey. Um, if you make it more like the, a realistic take on someone actually trying to steal the Declaration of Independence, none of this map bullshit or whatever, like leading to secret treasure or something. I think that could be a cool idea, the heist of trying to steal that. Or if you go the other way and you just make this, I mean, this movie is riddled with historical inaccuracies. So just go further with it and have some fucking weird paranormal shit like Indiana Jones. Don't go so vanilla, bland, middle of the road that it's just kind of, you know, one step away from being on like the History Channel or something like that. But, but of course, that never put this on there because it's so inaccurate and that's that's kind of what leads me to whether or not to recommend it i, I can't necessarily recommend it to, to children because i don't think it's very educational however it could lead to them you know maybe doing some research on their own and get them interested in in history itself you know the cast is is fine i think it's a well shot movie it looks pretty good it is far too long and so i, I gotta say on its own on its technical merits I, i'll match the critics I, i'll give it a 45 it's it's like a movie you could catch on tnt <laughs> like but it would take you four hours to get through yeah okay i i guess that's fair i again it's just i don't know i i guess i didn't really see the appeal of this movie back when it came out um it's just not my cup of tea and i'm i'm more than willing to admit that so i i just i don't really see the benefit of going back and watching it now i don't think if you if you don't get anything from it back when it came out you certainly won't get anything back from it now but even now i just don't see it you know as something people would enjoy even if they liked it earlier i will agree that it's yeah one that i don't necessarily think captures any sort of nostalgia i think had it been made maybe in the late 90s it could have fit into that mold of what we were you know that jerry bruckheimer feel like a con air type feel if it comes before better movies you mean well it's not necessarily even that it's just the era that it was made the two that early 2000 period it just feels so generic and studio and disney and i wonder if it was made back in the late 90s or mid 90s if it would have had you know some more weird or just you know i don't think it would have been pg i think they would have just made it a little more uh harder edge i guess or, or at least a little more emblematic of its time it just feels kind of blah 
where, where it's set. It's definitely a bold move by Disney to cast Nick Cage in a PG movie. That and Sorcerer's Apprentice. He was making money for him for a while there, I guess. Anyway, Brandon, before we get into what we're doing next week, do you have anything you'd like to recommend this week? Yeah, man. So I did go to the theaters. I checked out uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I guess they abandoned number three, which is fine by me, I guess. But, uh... Dude, have you watched these movies? No, I've heard good things about them. I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, from someone who didn't watch any of the series, I guess is a Netflix show, and so people have been kind of inundated with this material. There's a lot of it. But from what, for me, I've only seen the three movies, uh, so I haven't seen a whole lot. But I will say, this may be my favorite animated trilogy next to Toy Story. I mean, until they wow. see what they do with Toy Story 4 this summer. But uh yeah, dude, I, I think there's just a, a super solid, beautifully animated, uh, really well-told stories. That, again, I, I think if you were to watch this stuff with your kids again and again, you might get numb to it, and so it's probably not as impressive. But for just having seen the three movies, it's awesome that you could tell the the filmmakers actually planned a trilogy. It wasn't like a, a money cash grab thing. These characters evolve over the movies, and I got to say, yeah, I, I really dug it. I liked it a lot. Cool. So if you've seen those movies, check that out. And I will also recommend that to have Fighting With My Family one, The Rock Man. I gotta say, he's not in it a lot, but the story's pretty good. It's well acted, and I li- Stephen Merchant wrote and directed it. Oh, so I like Stephen Merchant. It's pretty funny. Yeah. All right. I'd say pretty solid, dude. Watch it if, you, uh, if you're if you into just kind of sports comedies, I guess. All right, cool. I might give that one a try. I uh, only got one to recommend this week, um, and I hope it's not one that you've already recommended because I, I know it's something that you've probably already seen before. But I finally got around to watching Leave No Trace, a uh, fantastic movie about a, uh, a father and his daughter living off the grid for reasons that I won't get into just to avoid spoilers. I thought it was incredibly well made uh really beautiful shots of nature uh really kind of touching storyline uh a kid actor that i actually approve of i thought she was phenomenal um it's got a 100 on rotten tomatoes if that tells you anything too i think it probably should have been nominated for an oscar uh but you know what are you gonna fucking do um so leave no trace definitely give that one a shot yeah that was one of my favorites from last year. Uh, what did you think, by the way, of the Oscars, Zach? Dude, Bohemian Rhapsody winning, what, five fucking Oscars? Are you kidding me? It won four, which was the most of the night. Get away from me. That movie, uh, you know what? Sound editing, fine, or sound mixing, whatever it did win. That's good. Editing, have you seen the clip m- walk going around of the of a scene where they're like sitting down at a table discussing a, a record deal and the the cuts are just all over the fucking place have you seen that clip i have not seen that clip i mean i said i saw the movie i didn't necessarily think anything in the editing was spectacular and by the way that guy who won that award for film editing he also directed urban legends final cut yeah and he did the score for halloween h2o yeah man it's just i it was unbelievable i didn't think that that movie deserved a fucking four oscars you know that movie was just watered down okay fan service so i was a little upset um other than that i didn't have too much to complain about 
Um, I think Roma probably should have won more Oscars. It didn't. That's okay. Well, oh, dude, also, Last Flag Flying, Richard Linklater's movie from a couple years back that no one talked about and uh, no one watched. I saw that the other day, and I really liked it. It's Again, it's a very small, intimate story about veterans and stuff, but it's not nearly as pandering or, like, praising America or anything like that. It really tells an honest story of how a father would feel in this situation. I I really enjoyed it. Really well written, I thought. All right, so lots to, yeah, lots to see if you got the time this week. Yeah, next week... If you want to watch along, the next film we'll be covering is also on Hulu at the time. Is that correct, Zach? Not on Netflix. I believe it's on Hulu. Might be on both. Uh, last I, it might be on both. Honestly, I think it. Last time I checked, it was on Netflix, but you know that could have changed because I haven't watched it. But we are watching uh, a movie that I'm excited to get into, Brandon. That's right. It's 1998's Ants with a Z. That's right. A uh, little Woody Allen, huh? Ugh gross oh my god get ready for woody allen in this fucking movie woody allen sly we got sly stallone and dan Aykroyd. what a cast i mean it is it's a good cast it's i'm you know what i actually saw this one fairly recently and uh remember not hating it so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing this one i remember everybody comparing it to a bug's life which i thought was unfair because a bug's life is i mean obviously a a Pixar masterpiece, but this movie I think holds its own. So I'm interested to see what everybody thinks next week. I'm just glad it's one hour and 23 minutes. That's uh yeah. Oh, after, thank God. After the last yes, couple of movies here, they have been kind of long slogs. We need like a 30 minute, like <laughs> <laughs> we need a nightmare before Christmas again. Yeah, we do. Oh boy. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please tune in next week when we will be reviewing Ants. Uh, For any of our other episodes, you can check out our feed on podbean.com. We're also thinking about maybe doing some sort of maybe listener request month coming up here, maybe, Zach, April or something like that. Maybe just people could start sending in requests. I was thinking about we could do one of those coming up here for a month. I mean, maybe. The listeners have been very mean to us lately in terms of requests. (laughs) So, What are you talking about, dude? We just stole the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, exactly. But... So, yeah, if you've got something in mind, I'm sure we would be very interested in collecting up some requests. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to this and every episode at nbd.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes by searching Nostalgia Be Damned. Please, please, please write us a review and share with a friend. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to send us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com if you want to send in that request. Thank you, Zach, for stealing that important document of our nation's foundation you mean when we stole the declaration of independence until next week my friend when we steal the declaration of independence stay you stay true steal the declaration of independence (laughs) 